I think it's going to be more significant than I can probably explain today. Everything from real estate to entertainment to finance to gaming to business is going to be touched by NFTs in some way, shape, or form. Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. I'm your host, Matt Silverman. Please subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app so we can continue bringing you the greatest conversations you have ever listened to. Now, a big part of this show is navigating the cultural impact of our decentralized future. But in order to do that, we need to first untangle our brains and understand the language. I'm actively trying to learn these topics and yet find myself continually struggling to navigate this new landscape. My number one resource for when I'm lost is TikTok, which is a bit of an oxymoron because it's the number one place to get lost, but it's also a destination where you can hear people discuss topics informally in a vernacular that my sleep-deprived parent oatmeal brain can understand. I like to think of TikTok like a party, and every time you flip the screen, you're entering a new room with a new person and a new deep dive conversation. So imagine you're at this party and you come across this guy on a couch. He's always on a couch and he's talking about the blockchain, but it's not complicated or heady. It's just a conversation you can understand. With over 74,000 followers on TikTok, I'm clearly not the only person at this party nor the only listener, but I'm nonetheless thrilled to be speaking with YouTuber, TikToker, and crypto sage, Bon Jen. Bon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. I want to start off with uh, a little bit about your background and TikTok. So wh where are you coming from and, and how'd you get into TikTok? Um, honestly, I, so I kind of just started this TikTok like a month ago, like yesterday maybe. And, um, I've always been into like crypto and that whole like, like area, that whole space. And I love talking to my friends about it, but they're just like not into it like I am. And so I think a couple months ago, I started a YouTube channel and um, I had done YouTube before, but like other things. And it just like didn't really work out. But I was like, okay, let me just talk about crypto. And it was kind of growing slowly. And then I made a video um, sitting on the couch and I was like, this would make a great. Uh, TikTok. So I threw it on TikTok and it did like okay. Chopped that video in, into like three or four videos. They did okay. And I just kept going and I started answering questions and stuff. And then I made a metaverse video and that one like did very well. And I was like, okay, there's obviously something here. And um, I noticed people kept commenting like, uh, hey, like you're explaining it in a way that I can understand it. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I didn't really realize that there was like, a market for people that uh, are new to this because like for some reason I just assume that like everyone kind of knows about it but like nah it's like so it's so new and like new stuff is like being added literally every month so uh, yeah that's basically like my job on TikTok to just explain it in a way that everybody can understand it because I want everybody to learn about it because it's super exciting. What were the numbers on TikTok where you where you said this is going viral or people really like this? So I was at work when I posted the metaverse video. Um, I was working like all night at 
uh, my job. I think it posted at like 10 o'clock. And like 15 minutes into it, I checked it. And it had like 40,000 like plays already. And the other ones had like a couple thousand or whatever. And I was like, wow, this is like... And I thought that one wasn't going to do well too. Because um, I don't know. Like there were like a couple like spelling mistakes in it. And I kind of like rushed it. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And my dad was sitting right next to me too. And I was like, hey, dad, check this out. And he's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Like he didn't really like pay any attention to it. And then I woke up the next day and it had like half a million. And I had like 10,000 followers. And I was like, okay, I really got to like double down on this. So every day I've been uh, posting two TikToks a, a day, just trying to like keep the momentum going. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you that. So what has been your strategy? Two TikToks a day? Is there certain times of day that you post? What has been your, your sort of growth strategy and what have you seen that's worked and, and maybe what doesn't work? Two TikToks a day is really just like for me to hold myself accountable. Um, I don't really care about like the time of day because like I posted the metaverse video at like 10 o'clock at night and it went crazy. So as long as I get like two up every day right. and I usually end up getting them up like in the late afternoon, like six or seven. Um, but in terms of like what's worked... Just like stuff that's like really shareable. Um, I always like look at the number of shares and one videos that have like a high number of shares usually do well. It's always about like me teaching something uh, in a way that's easy to understand. And you would think that like maybe a shorter video has like a lot to do with it. But a lot of my long form videos, like sometimes I go up to three minutes and those like do really well and people watch till the end. So really just, I think it's a combination of teaching people. I try to throw a little bit of humor in there to like, like make people laugh. Um, yeah, really just like something you can share with someone. Do you know what the sort of threshold is for monetizing this momentum? You know, you have 70,000 followers that, that seems to me to be very valuable. Um, are you able to do sponsored posts or are you able to monetize this or, or, or the creator fund? Are you in the creator fund? The TikTok has its own uh, creator fund. So I'm in the creator fund and I like to be completely transparent about this because everybody wants to know. Uh, so the creator fund so far has paid me in a month, I think a little more than a hundred dollars. So that's like two, two TikToks a day, like about a hundred dollars. And that's like not a lot for the amount of work, but like, it's fine because I expected to get nothing, honestly. But in terms of monetizing, uh, I've been contacted several times by companies that want me to like uh, promote their platform. I get hit up by a lot of NFT projects, um, which I'm probably ne I'm never gonna promote an NFT project, honestly, because I don't think that's like super safe in terms of like promoting because the majority of my audience is beginners. Um, but yeah, I do get like hit up by like, uh, exchanges like every here and then, but my rate to do that is kind of like high because I want to focus on education. You know, I want to focus on like educating people and I don't want to like become a commercial because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like TikTokers on crypto. You don't know like what's education and what's shilling a coin that doesn't do anything and what's an NFT and what's a, a pay placement. So I'm trying to be like strictly education. And there's like other ways to monetize too. Like I have, I have like an email list and all that stuff. So 
and also I do consulting as well. So as far as all of that goes, what is the the next, let's say, three months or six months of strategy for for um, turning this into a, a full time job? Uh, basically, just as much content as I possibly can. Um, trying to, I have a pretty good, um, I have a pretty good like turnaround time with my TikTok because like I've been editing videos my whole life so I can turn that around the only thing with TikTok is like coming up with fresh like content like consistently but like there's ways to get around that I can answer questions I could like redo a video because there's like people that haven't seen it before um uh staying consistent with YouTube which is like another monster in itself because I want my TikTok and my YouTube to be the same but different like TikTok should be like tweets and YouTube should be like a 30 minute deep dive educational white paper breakdown you know all that stuff and um I think within like with time my YouTube will uh be monetized as well because this TikTok has definitely uh boosted my YouTube channel so but I do think my short to media term strategy in terms of six months is just a lot of content focus on quality and um i'll honestly probably worry about money like later down the line has the the guy on the couch become your brand is that a part of your your sort of uh image or is that even if it was an accident (laughs) or is that going to change i've been thinking about filming other places like um Cause I'm going on vacation next week and I'm like really like thinking like, should I film like a bunch of videos on the couch and like schedule them to post while I'm on vacation or should I film while I'm on vacation and like kind of switch it up? I don't know. I think I'm just going to like stick to the guy on the couch for now because people seem to like that. And then maybe like in a couple months, if I get bored with that, I'll do something else be the guy on the couch, but it could be different couches. You could be on vacation on a different couch, same frame, same angle. Oh, I still got on a couch. I, Maybe it's same a microphone a, a, in a hotel couch or whatever kind of guy. I actually like that. That'd be funny if I was like on the beach on a couch, just talking as if I'm still back here. Yep. On the beach. That'd be great. <laughs> that'd be amazing. That'd be hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's fine. All right. I'm going to write that down. Maybe there's got to be on Amazon like an inflatable couch you can bring anywhere for like the beach or wherever. I'm just in swim trunks (laughs) or something. That's smart. Okay. Put that in the back pocket. I love it. I was telling uh, my dad that you were coming on the show and he knew you. He was because I got my dad addicted to TikTok. Oh, no way. And um, he's like, oh, that guy on the couch. Yeah. I listen to him all the time. And it really is. It really has become your trademark. That's great. That's great. I guess the couch is staying. Can we do a little bit of your greatest hits of TikTok? Because I, I want to um, introduce some of these terms to my audience. I think it's great what you're doing, and, and I'm hoping we can do sort of a miniature version of it right now. Absolutely. Let's start with Web3. What What is Web3? So Web3 is... It's based, how I like to explain it, it's like internet ownership kind of so in order to understand web 3 you kind of have to like go through web 1 web 2 web 3 so web 1 was basically the era of the 90s where people were just throwing stuff on the web like just web pages that didn't connect to anything and web 1 was like the process of the web pages linking together 
So it was actually becoming the web because they were starting to talk to each other. And you could only publish to the web if you knew how to program. Then comes web two. Code starts to get more sophisticated where you can build platforms that allow anyone to create content online. So you have your Shopify's, you have your YouTube's, you have your WordPress. So everybody's a content creator. That's web two. Web three is taking that entire experience, but it is decentralized and everybody has a piece of it. So right now when you're on the internet, you are most likely, even though like people say the web is already decentralized, it's pretty centralized because it's on Amazon web services, um, the majority of it, or Microsoft servers or Google servers. So the internet's kind of controlled by like three companies. What Web3 does is it takes all of that server processing, data, power, and ideally it puts it on the device you're using to explore the web. So if you're on decentralized YouTube, you're actually running YouTube on your device. So it's like in your pocket. Yeah, maybe can you explain what a, what a DAP is? Yes, a DAP is a decentralized app. So think of an app like Twitter. Twitter's pretty centralized because it is run from Twitter headquarters. Even though I always get this comment, Twitter's on servers all over the world. Of course it is, but it's run by one company. If it were a decentralized Twitter, it would be run by every computer that's accessing decentralized Twitter. That would be a DAP. Can you talk a little bit about those computers, the decentralized computers, because I think it's it's really hard for people to wrap their head around how this is run, how it's decentralized, how there are computers everywhere running something. Yeah, so with blockchain technology, basically the essence of it is, at least for all the nodes, all the computers on a certain network like Bitcoin, in order for it to be peer-to-peer, and decentralized, all the computers have to agree that everything is happening at once. So they gotta be like, yo, this transaction is happening. Everyone has to be like, okay, that's good, you know? So everybody's computer is like working at the speed of light to verify that nothing is fraudulent, no transaction is fraudulent, um, no one's like trying to hack into like a certain system and hacking into a decentralized system is like <clears throat> way more difficult as well because you would need to gain at least 51% control of the network to like game a decentralized system. But that's basically the, the idea of it is that you can't attack one thing to take everything down. You have to attack everything and everything is working together to keep one thing secure the platform that you're using. With decentralized apps and, and DAOs, and, and we'll explain that in a second, um, once they're set up, because it's decentralized, can they be shut down? If I have decentralized YouTube on my phone, for example, a decentralized version of YouTube, could that ever be shut down or, or no? Well, really no. There is a thing, like I'm not sure if you're familiar with governance tokens, so like with people always ask who's in charge of the decentralized platform or company or whatever, it's whoever has is the holder of the most governance tokens. So 
ideally there is supposed to be a vote in like major decent major decisions of the decentralized platform and whoever holds the most governance tokens has the most say in said vote um and it's that way because they have the most monetary like they have the most to lose if like the decision is bad so the only way i could see a decentralized system being shut down is if the largest governance holder was like okay we're gonna shut this software down because of course all or most decentralized software should be open source so that everybody can like have access to it and like add to it because that's like the the promise of it is that everybody can build on it. Yeah, that's the only way I can honestly see it being shut down. I don't I can't see like a government like going in and shut down every computer like running Ethereum or whatever or running an app on Ethereum. It's just it it's just too much. So, no. No would be my answer. Can you explain a little bit more about what a governance token is? Can you help people visualize or understand digest what what is that token what is it think of governance tokens as basically like think of it it's kind of like shares of a company but it's different so if you have shares of a company you have ownership of the company if you have governance tokens you you don't have ownership of the platform but you have a say in the direction of the platform so you don't have equity but you have to have you have like equity in its future because decentralized platforms are usually open source if somebody wanted to like add a feature to a decentralized platform they would write up the code and they would like pitch it to like the people who hold the governance tokens on like a forum or something and then there would be a vote that's held and they vote on it and whoever holds the most governance tokens has the most say in the vote and then people like to ask how is that like fair if somebody has a larger say in the vote but people that have the larger say in the vote uh like i said earlier have the most monetarily at stake and also another thing is they are most likely like the main developer of the platform that you're using so they probably have like a pretty good idea of where it should go but if i didn't like a way the way like i don't know decentralized youtube was running and I wanted them to add a feature and I had the financial resources, I could just buy up as much governance token as I can afford and then I can do whatever I want with it. So that's basically the power of governance tokens. Are governance tokens held in your wallet the same way Ether or Bitcoin is held in your wallet? Yes, all ERC-20 tokens are held in your wallet. And ERC-20, uh, explain what ERC-20 is. ERC-20 is the protocol for building tokens on the ethereum network so um, an example i like to use is apple if you want to build an app for the app store apple can give you like a, a kit called an api kit basically like a set of guidelines and kind of like a template but not really so that all apps kind of like run the same and look the same and kind of have the same design on ios that's what ERC-20 is for Ethereum. So if you want to make a token on Ethereum, you would just follow the ERC-20 protocol, um, make a smart contract, and you'd have your own token. And it's actually pretty easy. People have made like uh, tools to like make ERC-20 tokens with like two clicks. What is a smart contract? What is gas? 
a smart contract is a contract that um, deploys um, or executes automatically once certain conditions have been met. So, for example, if you and I were to make a bet, Matt, that the Lakers uh, win the next game, and I say they're not going to win, you say they are, and we bet Celtics. $10. Yeah, that's the Celtics. And... <laughs> And then I lose the bet, but I'm like, yo, I don't want to pay Matt $10. And so I skip town, don't answer his calls. And you're like, you're like, yo, can you send me the $10? I just don't answer. If we had made that on a smart contract, then as soon as the game is won, you would get the money. And smart contracts can get really sophisticated to a point where like, you can build entire companies without people, or you can make platforms and apps and... In the future, it's going to be able to do stuff that like we can't even comprehend right now. I kind of like to compare it to, I wasn't very old in the 90s, but I'm sure like people in the 90s didn't really think that we'd be like talking like this to our computer, like with video, super clear video and audio, you know? Um, and then gas is, gas is basically the name for what a transaction fee is on Ethereum. So Ethereum transaction fees, you have... Um, these computers solving these um, math problems, keeping the blockchain secure. And these computers need to get paid and they are paid with both Ether when they solve the problem first and uh, keep the blockchain secure. And they are paid with gas fees from people like you and me that pay enormous fees to trade coins and do stuff on the blockchain. What's a DAO? A DAO is, it stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. So it's basically a company without people. So it's a bunch of smart contracts talking to each other with like a bunch of nests of parameters. If this happens, do this. If this doesn't happen, do this. And ideally, you can make a DAO so sophisticated that an entire company can be run a good example of a DAO today, people like to draw this comparison, is like a vending machine that automatically orders more supply when it runs low. Except like a person has to come and like fill it up. But imagine a robot did that or something. That's like an easy way to think of a DAO. There's like no human there and it's running itself. Does every DAO automatically have uh, governance tokens or not necessarily? Well, if it's just run by one person... It's not really decentralized, but I guess in theory you could create a DAO and like not issue governance tokens, but then it's just an autonomous organization because no one else has a say. But don't the DAO makers limit the governance, right? They're still putting rules and, and certain uh, red tape up as far as what can be governed, right? Yeah, there's a lot of that. I know a lot of projects that are like, we're going to start centralized and then over time as we get like more mature we're gonna start to become decentralized and then after a certain number of years we're gonna be full decentralized like a good example of that is cardano started pretty centralized and now they're working towards becoming a decentralized platform um but yeah there are DAOs that are like that kind of like keep it it's sort of like this walled garden i guess you could say which I don't really like. My definition of a DAO is just like let it run itself. Like you, you get started, 
and then if someone has a great idea that they think will really build it, then issue governance tokens go through the whole process. But yeah, no, there are there are uh, there are DAOs for sure where people like have a little bit more reins on it, and a lot of them too issue governance tokens over time. So they'll like hold a lot of the governance tokens, like they'll hold like sixty percent, and then uh, they'll issue like five percent a year or something out to the public. Are these organizations all to begin with built on Ethereum or built on the blockchain, or or where do they sort of begin? Where where's the foundation um, for them to even consider being a DAO? Let's say you and I had like a, an idea for a company. I think today it would be smart for us to start building on Ethereum just because that's where all the attention is. If we had the idea for like, um, like let's copy Uber, but just make it a DAO. So we would like, we would form right. like, like make a website, build out smart contracts and basically make it sophisticated enough to be a platform, make a website with like a forum and like, publish the code and be like, all right, this is, this is out there now. Uh, if anybody wants to add to it, go for it. Like do, do your thing. Um, so that, that's kind of like the, that's like basically like, basically how DAOs start. And some of them are like, obviously more serious than others. A lot of them are just experiments, but this is for sure the wild west of web three and what, smart contracts will be able to do. Yeah. It's definitely the early 90s, probably even late 80s, honestly. Because, like, no matter how good, like, these exchanges get, crypto is still very not user-friendly. Like, this whole space is super, like, hostile, unless you yeah. know what you're looking at. Um, but, you know, we'll get there eventually. If we were to build that company together, a DAO together, um, is it essentially like building a normal website, but but you're building it in a special browser that that's a that like MetaMask that supports these decentralized um, organizations? Or how does that work? How do you how do you how do you uh, obviously you need to understand code and you need to understand how to build a smart contract and a website. But where do you do it? Where, where is this location that you do it? So Ethereum is run on this code called Solidity. Um, and your wallet, like you said, MetaMask, is basically like your internet browser to these decentralized apps, the, <clears throat> the, the decentralized web. However, there are platforms where you can literally just go on Google Chrome and like browse these decentralized platforms as if they were websites that you go on every day. One of them is called DTube. It is, it's decentralized YouTube. Like it's the idea that it's not housed in one central place. It's not run by one central authority, but you can go on there. You can even go on there on your phone and like look at it. However, like you will in the future, like browse more, um, Web3 stuff and interact with the blockchain and keep all of your digital assets in your wallet. I think that's going to be like one form of identity in the future. Kind of like a kind of like your ideas right now. I think like your wallet is going to be like kind of that important because it's going to have all this documentation about you and you're going to use that to like do stuff too. What's an NFT? An NFT is a way 
of proving that uh, a, a digital item is one of a kind. That's 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 my one sentence def definition. It's it's if you attach an immutable ledger to a piece of digital property. So the digital property itself isn't that valuable because anybody can screenshot a picture of the Mona Lisa or whatever, but there's only one Mona Lisa, right? So like that's my comparison. So if I showed you a picture of the Mona Lisa, you'd be like, cool, but the real one's in a museum somewhere. Um but how do we how do we prove that in a digital space where something can be replicated infinitely? So another example would be a deed to a house. Anybody can like screenshot a PDF of like your right to ownership of a piece of property. But my deed has blockchain verification that I purchased this property and I've owned it since 2003. And then the person before me owned it since 1995 and the person before that since 1983. So every in the future, everything that needs a track record is going to be on the blockchain in the form of an NFT. And NFT stands for a non-fungible token. What are your thoughts on how NFTs are going to change the music industry? I think it's going to be more significant than... I can probably explain today. Um, I think that everything from real estate to entertainment to finance to gaming to business is going to be touched by NFTs in some way, shape, or form. I agree with, with everything you just said. And, and I'm wondering what your theory is as as far as the direction it's going to go you know how can people start preparing now whether it's learning about it through your tiktok whether it's um creating their own DAOs or nfts uh what are where is this going and, and how can people start preparing so i would do a lot of research on youtube and look up stuff on google but be careful because a lot of it is not fraudulent information, but a lot of it is based on hype. Right now is the gold rush of NFTs. It is the dot-com bubble. The way we value JPEGs of monkeys now will not be the case in five years, I promise you. Um, however, the technology is here to stay. So instead of like my suggestion is instead of people wasting their time figuring out how I can flip a monkey picture for a hundred grand, I would study like the long-term effects of NFTs, what industries are going to be disrupted, um, companies that are already like investing in like things around NFTs, um, basically like stuff like that. Because like right now, like the technology's here, people just don't know what to do with it. And I feel like the easiest thing to do is make art that normally wouldn't be valued at very much and just like trade it back and forth like a hot potato. But like any day now, like people are going to wake up and be like, wait a second, like this ain't it. But the technology, NFTs will be around forever. NFTs are here to stay for sure. Have you thought about using it 
for your own uh, content creation, turning your videos into NFTs or or creating some uh, a, a DAO around education of this stuff or, or I, I don't know. Is there, are there any ways you've thought about, uh, you know, using this technology for yourself? I have been playing with a couple ideas. Uh, I am creating like, uh, I don't want to be that one guy that's like, oh, I'm making a course, but of course I'm, of course you got to make a course if you're on TikTok. I'm one of the guys who buys the courses, so it's all good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm making a course basically about like a little bit deeper into the stuff I teach on TikTok, but I want the, the certificate of authentication to be an NFT. And I do think it would be interesting if you like, um, uh, interact with the website by connecting your, your crypto wallet so that you don't have to like, you know, put in like a bunch of credit card information or all that stuff like that. So it's really just like, an experiment I'm building and um, on the flip side you get not only an NFT from a course but you also get the education too so now you have an NFT and you actually know what like NFTs are used for and you know like what cryptocurrency is used for so that's something um, I'm working on and I do think there's a lot of those are gonna pop up like soon um, not just for courses but for like every way yeah it's a it's it's a race to the to the finish but i do want the course to be good so i'm kind of taking my time on it interesting though i did i did start on the course before i even started on tiktok before i even started on youtube i was just like making it to see like if i could teach it and then my friend was like how are you going to promote this and i was like i don't know <laughs> let me let me let me try youtube let me try tiktok so so yeah that'll probably be done in like a couple months hopefully um not too long but yeah that and another thing i was thinking of was um i don't think i'm gonna do this but i know like people are doing this is they're making like nfts or influencers or creators are making nfts and that basically gives you like access to maybe going to like lunch with them or like like just hanging out with them or something so in that sense, um, NFTs have the tangible utility of being able to do something in the physical world. I think we're going to see a lot of that in terms of like tickets. Um, like if Drake just wants to sell tickets to his fans, but not go through Ticketmaster. And then you just like walk up to the Drake concert and they're like, all right, let's see the verification on the blockchain. You can get in, but your friend took a screenshot or photoshopped or whatever. We can't verify that. They got to wait outside. Um, we're gonna see a lot of that college degrees oh you went to stanford oh it came straight from stanford's wallet like you must have went to stanford um that's gonna be huge real estate like i said um and even stuff i can't even like think of honestly like people are creative like people come up with stuff every day so we'll see it's really exciting what are the ways that you're seeing uh the utility of nfts now uh i i know i've seen most of the NFT projects I see or DAOs I see, it seems to be, oh, we're going to have parties and your NFT kind of gets you into the party. It's something like that. Um, what else have you seen? I've seen a lot of like stuff with NFTs unlocking 
stuff in video games. It's not r like right now. I feel like people don't really know what to do with NFTs because still NFTs are so not user friendly and there's kind of like a, a barrier to entry in terms of knowledge. So they can't, that's what's like keeping them from being mainstream. Also, Ethereum kind of sucks as a platform in terms of it's slow and it's expensive, but that'll be fixed in time. So like there's really no like super exciting NFT utilizations that I've seen because everything that would be cool is still faster other ways like Ticketmaster super fast even though you got to pay like a little fee like you don't have to wait an hour to get your ticket like you probably would if someone sent you a an NFT ticket on Ethereum um but like once Ethereum improves like I think the possibilities are endless but right now everyone's like what's the easiest thing we can do Oh, just make 10,000 monkey pictures and trade them around. See who gets to hold right. the bag last. Right. This isn't a finance podcast, and this isn't uh, finance advice. Um, but what are, are you investing in crypto, and what do you recommend to people who are just getting started? Should they invest in crypto? And, and if so, uh, what's, what's a good way to get started? Of course, not investment advice, of course. But... Like, I always say, start with the basics, Bitcoin, Ethereum, like, those are pretty easy to understand, especially Bitcoin. Like, I usually say, Bitcoin is a store of value, um, store of economic energy, appreciates very quickly, super volatile, it's finite, they can't make more of it, like, super easily. Um, and then you have Ethereum which is a whole nother animal. It's a platform. Think of Bitcoin like a calculator and Ethereum like your smartphone. Um, with Ethereum, you're not investing in the value so much as you're investing in the future of the platform. So in the future, when most things are running on smart contracts and you need the cryptocurrency Ether to do anything, you're going to want to have a lot of it. So that's why Ethereum is so exciting. And then if they're super interested, I'll say, okay, well, there's a couple more of them just like Ethereum, except they're a little better. They're called Cardano, Solana, and Polkadot. Um, if you want to do research on that, go for it. They're a little bit better because uh, the transaction process and the authentication process is different. And that's usually where I stop. Like, I, I don't really go into the... The ERC-20, Crypto Casino, Shiba Inu, you know, unless there's just like, like a degenerate that just like wants to make a lot of money and they're like cool with it. But me, me personally, I really like most of my, my, my investment attention is on the things that I know will be here in 10 years plus, which is Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then the smart contract ones, Cardano, Polkadot, all those that are competing with Ethereum. And then the other ones I just like to just watch and talk about. So why do you think that Ethereum and Cardano and Solana, why do you feel like these will be around in 10 years and not some new Twitter, Facebook, DeFi, DAP that's, that's uh, you know, taking the world by storm? It very well could be something new. 
like something could pop up like next year. But Ethereum is already like so embedded in the culture. Like Bitcoin is like mainstream. Like even if you're not in Bitcoin, you've heard of it. You may not have heard of Ethereum, but if you're like semi-invested in cryptocurrency, you've you've heard of Ethereum. So it's like it's in people's brains and it has the most money. And then there's the the other ones that are <clears throat> better on paper but they're not like nobody's using them nobody's really building things for them like cardano uh deployed the ability to make smart contracts a couple months ago but i haven't seen or heard of any really exciting projects or anybody making nfts on cardano but you know like time will tell but because ethereum has like so much money in it right now um I don't know the market cap, but it's the second largest cryptocurrency. I, I, I do think that it has probably the most staying power out of all of them. I even think it has the potential to flip Bitcoin in terms of market cap in, in time, but who knows? We'll see. What are some questions that you have about Web3 or blockchain or, or crypto that you, you haven't figured out yet that you're still trying to understand? Well, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of questions deep in the the computer engineering side that I have that I just can't understand because um, I'm just like that. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I studied computer science in college, but I graduated like four, almost five years ago, and I haven't like like really coded. But I my thing is like I like to like build things. I like to like I still build websites on WordPress and make YouTube videos. I'm an editor and all that. <clears throat> but, and I can understand like the surface level stuff, like why it works, like where it's going. But in terms of like when someone asks me, so how exactly when I go into decentralized YouTube, is it going to be run on my device? Like how are we going to be able to take all that data and move it about and decentralize it and i can like abstractly like explain like it's this new thing they use these algorithms to like split the data so that it like fills into crevices where there's like space on your hard drive where data isn't being held but that's like as far as i can go i can't tell you like who invented that or like what language it's written in or why it does it or what method like sure those are the questions i have like i i'm looking for someone to explain to me before we wrap up, what what did we miss today that people who are just starting to learn about these topics, what what did we miss that they should know? They should know that we are still very early, even though cryptocurrency has been around for like 10 years. It's going to be around for the next 100 because our lives, everything is becoming digital. Like, no matter how afraid you are or not, when everything is digital, you need a way to authenticate digital property and you need peer-to-peer -peer digital money. So that's further proof that everything's gonna stay around. And the other thing is, that's why everything's so volatile too, because it's so new. Like people are in, people are out. There's not a lot of people to like stabilize it. And also don't be afraid to do research because I honestly don't know much more than a lot of people like a couple years or so ago but 
I'm just like passionate about learning new things and passionate about where technology is going and like deadly afraid of being that guy that just doesn't know like what society is like on like going on technologically so I'm always trying to like stay ahead of the curve and everything I read is pointing toward the decentralization of the internet and cryptocurrency NFTs blockchain metaverse all that is under the web3 umbrella so do some research YouTube Google and don't be afraid to ask questions. Awesome. Well, Bond, thank you so much for joining on the show today. And uh, this is definitely, hopefully people made it to the end of this episode, but this is not a, a substitute for your TikTok, which is a, an amazing resource. So head to at Bond Jen. Uh, we'll provide a link in the description and, and uh, on screen. And uh, thank you again for uh, coming on the show. And we'll also put your YouTube link as well. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here.